I have a question for you as we jump into this series. Today we're talking about Daniel again, if you're new around here. We're in this series about Daniel the exile. It's called Exile. And today we're talking about this idea of who are you listening to? King Nebuchadnezzar had to make a decision about who he would believe. So do you. Who do you believe? Who should you listen to in this world? Because everyone thinks they're right and everyone has a voice. So it matters who we're listening to. The question that I have for you to kick it all off is just a simple question that says, um, have you ever felt powerless? Like think of a time in your life where you just realized, okay, I can't do anything about this. It could be a physical diagnosis. It, it could be a, a relationship that's beyond your control. Can you think of one? Usually we think of one in some big serious thing. The first thing I thought of when I asked this question, you know what it was? Um, my cousin Billy. Billy, we would go to the farm every summer. I have tons of cousins. And we would stay there with my grandparents in Kansas. It was a blast. But we had definitely a pecking order. Billy was like five years older than me. I mean, when, when, I, when you're 10 and there's a 15-year-old, he's strong. You know what I mean? And Billy used to hold some of us down and put his knees and pin us down like this until we said uncle. And I was powerless. <laughs> I could not do. I tried everything to get out of that, but he was strong. I could not. Matter of fact, if I hadn't said uncle, I would still be there on the ground in the mud. There's no question in my mind. So, so I know what that feeling is like. But as we go through this book and we talk more about Daniel's life than the, really even the book of Daniel, in, in 586 B.C., from a historical viewpoint, Babylon came in and took over Jerusalem. People became slaves. They carted them up and took them like two months across the desert. And for some reason, Daniel had favor. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three buddies, also had favor. They started serving in the king's palace and in his court as advisors. So a lot of things have happened there. We can't really even fully grasp what it would be like for a foreign power to come in here and take us all out of here and shackle us up and move us on and change our language, our clothing, our style, our food, our habits, what we wore, everything changed for them. So I, I doubt that's ever going to happen to us in our lifetime, but you never know. That happened to Daniel. But I do know this. I do know that there are times in my life when I thought to myself, this isn't what I expected. You ever had that? And, and it might not be as harsh as what Daniel felt, but I've, you know, some of you have had through these situations, you've gone through them where you go, I didn't, I didn't know that, that that would happen in my marriage. I didn't, I didn't ask for that. And that's not what I expected. I didn't, I didn't expect this in my finances. I, I had a better plan than this. Or my body has failed me in a way that I never dreamed was possible. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I didn't think I would be treated this way at this job. What's going on? Why, why is this taking place? All of these things are very real. And so if you can just put yourself in some of those stories to understand, that's where Daniel is. And he was kind of powerless. But he always built a bridge of relationship and friendship because we can learn from that. So the first thing that I want to talk about, we're in, we're in chapter 2 today. Daniel chapter 2. Pretty long chapter, a lot in there. We'll break it down. The first thing is God is at work all the time, even when you don't see it. On the back of your program, if you're new around here, you can write these things down if you choose to. God is at work all the time, even 
when you don't see it. Now, I believe that is absolutely true. Let me just read this. Daniel 2, verse 1. One night during the second year of his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't even sleep. He called in, this is a big list, so pay attention to this. This matters later. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers. He demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. Not just what it meant, but what he had dreamed. And they stood before the king. As they stood there, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Now, here's the, here's the kicker question. Some of you who know the story know the answer to this. Did God give King Nebuchadnezzar this, this dream? Go like this. He did. Is Nebuchadnezzar a real follower of the Lord, the God? Go like this. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, is that weird? Does God actually give, you think if God's going to give someone a dream about the future, it would be someone on his team, right? It would be someone who, who's going to care about it and steward it and pay attention to it. But no, it's King Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because he had all the power. Now think about this. This is why you can rest assured that God has a plan that's bigger than yours, bigger than mine. Sometimes I don't even know if God's around anymore. Do you ever have, have that feeling? Like, is God even there? Yeah, he is. He is. It's just that he's at work at times in ways that I cannot predict. I can, if there's one thing certain about God, it's his unpredictability. When you follow God, you need to know that. You need to pay attention to that. King Nebuchadnezzar is a rough guy. He is a mean guy. He kills people for no reason. And he's filled up with all kinds of hate and anger. And so we have to know sometimes that God is in charge. When we look at our systems in the world and we look at leaders in the world, we kind of freak out because of what's happening. We just stop and say, wait a minute, God's able to talk to a Nebuchadnezzar, whoever that might be in our world today. God can have his way accomplished way beyond what we ever think he probably could or would. But even when we don't understand God, He's still at work. Okay, that's the first premise you need to understand. That leads into the second thing that I want to say that I'm intrigued by, and it's the, that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he is desperate for the supernatural. He is longing for something beyond the human realm. And that's shown by what he does in verse 4 and following. Now, now think with me on this. Pay attention to this because it's a mental exercise to get your head wrapped around what's about to happen. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. Tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was, is that, is that even fair, you guys? If you don't tell me what my dream was and then what it means, You'll be torn limb from limb. Your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. Wow. 
this is a pretty scary. I think all of these sorcerers and all these people standing before the king are starting to tremble. Because he's, he's asking a lot. Wouldn't you agree? That's a lot. So why is he doing this? Think. Think with me. Why is he, why is he making them tell him his dream? Not just what it means, but his dream. I would propose, and, and please, if you have other ideas, put it on me. I'd love to hear it. I would propose to you that King Nebuchadnezzar actually knows deep in his heart that all of these sorcerers and astrologers and all this stuff, it's a bunch of bunk. He's in a system where these people show up and tell, tell him all the time what the future is, but I don't think he really believes it. But here's what he does know. He knows that if he tells no one his dream and they have empowerment to tell what the dream was, then he can absolutely believe what they say about what it means. You with me? That's, what he, that's what's going on in his brain. I would propose to you that today in our world there are many people who are longing for the supernatural. They are longing for transformation. They are longing for relief from addiction, this thing. This, it's got me. I can't get loose. I've done everything I know. But I need the supernatural power of God to be released from this haunting and this taunting going on in my life. You guys, people who don't even believe there's a God believe in the supernatural. But they just don't know it's the one true God, where to get it. That's our job to help bring the answer to them. Nebuchadnezzar was a pretty smart guy. And he knew that if they would know the dream, then he could trust their answer. We're in a world where people are chasing, 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 chasing after something that will fulfill them. They're chasing power. They're chasing more success. They're chasing sexuality. All the sexual stuff going on in our world today, it's unbelievable. They're chasing money. They're running. They're running. What's next? All the while, it's never enough, and it never will fully satisfy. That's why the king is on edge. He wants answers, and he, know it has, he knows it has to come from a supernatural power beyond anything he's witnessed so far. So that takes us to the third part of this story. The king's misery actually creates more violence. The king is uptight. He's had this dream. It keeps him up at night. He's disturbed. We get that by what he's done and what he's said. But I want you to see that, well, let me just read it. Verse 10. This is a scary thing that they're about to do. Verse 10. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, okay, they're in trouble now. How many of you sense it? No king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. Okay, they're really in trouble. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. Boom, done. You ticked me off, you're going to die. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were guilty by association. They were not in the group listed above, 
but because they were in this group, everyone would die. Have you ever had to suffer the consequence of, of someone else's decision just because you're part of the group? Yeah, that's a hard thing to take, isn't it? Well, that was Daniel. That's exactly what was happening. And I want you to see, and I want to illustrate something very important for us to get a glimpse of, of today. David is going to come up here and help me. David, come on up just for a second here. Now, what I want to do, what I want to do is, this is all this is is just a cup of water, okay? And, and that's what's in the cup, okay? So, David, I appreciate your help today. And I want you, uh, we haven't really practiced this or anything, but I want you to bump, I want you to just, this part of my arm right here, I want you to just kind of bump my arm a little bit. Just bump it. Oh, David, it spilled all over. Give it up for David. That's good. That's exactly what I want. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now, what spilled out of the cup? Why water? Pretty simple, right? Water came out because that's what was in it. I would propose to you to ask the question, what am I filled with? Because when you're bumped in life, that's what's going to come out. King Nebuchadnezzar was bumped. And violence came out. You know why? Because violence was inside. Anger came out because anger was inside. You know, you're, you're driving down the street just doing great, and someone cuts you off, and all of a sudden, what is that? Get out of my way. You know, you're listening to your nice Jesus music, and you're happy as you can be, and, and you're like all of a sudden thinking these death thoughts. Well, I'm in a truck, dude. What is that? I'll tell you what that is. That's in you. That's in you. If lust is in you, that's what's going to come out. If jealousy's in you, that's what's going to come out. If insecurity's in you, you get bumped. That's what's going to come out. Everything in your life is skewed by what you are filled with. Think about it. That's why we have so much stuff going on in our world. This doesn't make sense to us. King Neb, if I can call him that, had a lot of stuff going on in his heart. A lot of stuff going on in his heart. Bad stuff. And it was about to cost people their lives. Number four. Crisis should mean less panic and more seeking God. When you go through hardship and challenges in your life, I'm just going to propose that because you're filled with godliness, when you see crisis, you know God's about to do something. And there's less panic in your life. It might require prayer. might require seeking the Lord. But you know something's up. Because I'm going to really have to lean hard in right now on God and his plan. Because I don't know how to fix this. I am powerless. Right? Now that's what's about to, again, that's about, that's what is going to happen in this story. And this part of the story, I actually laughed out loud when I read. It's not funny. But I don't know why I laugh at stories sometimes in the Bible because of what it says when no one else even laughs. I'm, I apologize, but I want you to see what this says. Arioch is the commander. He's the guy in charge, so he's the guy that has to go to their house. So Arioch, the commander, verse 14, of the king's guard came to kill them. He, he's coming to Daniel's house to kill him. Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. <laughs> 
That's hilarious. Hello, it's Ariak. I'm coming to kill you. Well, come in. Can I make us some tea? This is crazy. He asks Ariok, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Ariok told him all that had happened, and Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time in order to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and he told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's the names they gave him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they named them. What had happened? He urged them to ask the God of heaven. Now think about this. He goes to his friends who know who God is, just like Daniel does, and he, he asks them to pray and urge the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Wow. When I look at this story, I see a sequence that I would like to propose is a good one for you to consider. When crisis comes into your life, when the unexpected happens with your family, your kids, your life, your health, your finances, whatever it is, the first thing you ought to do is, is just stop and pause and just take a deep breath. Handle and make up your mind. I'm going to handle this situation with wisdom. I'm going to handle it with discretion. I'm not going to just jump out of my car and go into a rant. I'm not going to throw someone out because of my anger. I'm going to just stop and reflect and I'm going to think. Daniel's gotten used to this. Remember early on when we were talking about his kosher diet and he ended up kind of working a deal with negotiation to say, hey, let's be friends in this. Let's try this. Let's test this out. What is that? That's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's the power of, of discretion and not burning the bridge with people. I'll tell you what, our culture is really good at just burning the bridge with someone instantly. The minute they disagree with us, well, you're not, you're not my friend anymore. I'm going to disfriend you. Boom. Gone. Bye. Man, that feels good. What is going on with that? Instead, stop. And then what was the next thing he did in the story? You remember? He comes and tells who? His friends. He tells his friends what's going on. He tells them the story. You guys, we're going to die unless God shows up and answers a very hard question for us. And so I want you to think and I want you to pray about what's going on here. So he gets to his friends. And I want to propose to you that if you don't have friends, if you don't know who your friends are in your life, there's a little, it's kind of a riddle. But, but I've, I've, I've known this for years and I've shared it because it's, it's easy and it's powerful. The man had no friends. He went out to find a friend, and he found none. He went out to be a friend, and he found many. You know, if you don't have relationships in your life that go deep, you're missing out on God's plan for your life. Because in this moment of death, that's the first thing he thought of is, I've got to get to my friends. I've got to get, I've got to get with my people. And I want that for you. Get in that small group. Open your life up. Have some people around you who can help you through crisis in your life. And then what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. You know, he, he goes to the king. He responds with wisdom, discretion. He gets with his friends. And they decide to pray through the night. That's a pretty good formula 
for handling crisis in your life. So write it down. Think about it in your heart. And ask yourself the question, is that how I'm living now? Is that how I respond to crisis? Because until you do that, God may not be able to reveal everything he wants to reveal. So he's got this big decision to make. What am I going to do next? I just want to just throw this out there before we move on to the next point. What was it like in the conversation that he had with the king? Ariak says, you're going to die. He says, can I go talk to the king? Ariak's probably like, well, he's not in a good mood. Man, that's scary. So Daniel shows up, and I think he was, he was a little anxious. He had to be. But somehow, can, can we talk for a second? He had favor. He, he, had to, he had to show honor. He had to show respect. He would have been killed. He didn't just come in and say, you've got this all wrong, buddy. Sometimes we need to think about how we respond to people we disdain. Well, they don't deserve my respect. No, that's not the point. They're in a position that you need to respect, whether you respect the person or not. God honors that. I don't know why. Sometimes I don't even like it. But God does, and he did it for Daniel. Let's learn from that. It's, it's powerful, and it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. But finally, Daniel gets through, and, and he gets a little more time. And he gets his buddies, and they pray and all of that. Okay, number five. All the praise of this success, because it ended up being a successful mission, all the praise belongs to God. All of it. The good things that happen in your life. As a matter of fact, you know, that night, this, this, verse 19 is the key pivotal verse, I think, of the whole chapter. Look at this. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. God is being God. And this was after the friends and after the prayer. And Daniel praised the God of what? Heaven. The one true God. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever for he has all wisdom and power. And if you, I'm not going to read it all because it's quite lengthy, but if you have Daniel 2 open, just look how long that is. Daniel just goes off into praise. As a matter of fact, it's a poem it's actually put to music. He's singing a song to God. I, I love that. It turns into this music, something from the heart. Woo! Woo! Well, that was kind of crazy today, wasn't it? If you're watching online, sorry. Um, we had a song today that we sang in worship. And uh, it was just kind of an interesting song. It actually, the lyrics say, sing in the middle of the storm. And then it goes, woo. I, I was looking around and some of you were like, woo. Like, like, are we supposed to woo or is that, are they wooing and we're listening and what are we supposed to do with the woo? But anyway, just try wooing next time. Don't get mad and, and struggle. Just woo a little bit. You'll be fine. Daniel did not sit down. He didn't come back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after, after he had had favor. He didn't come back and say, guys, you know, me and the king, we're, we're pretty tight. He, he listens to my counsel, and um, I've had some pretty big ideas for him in the past. And so um, I bought us a little time, bought us a little time. No, there's nothing of arrogance. There's nothing of needing credit. I'm just going to tell you, 
If you have blessing in your life, thanks be to God. If you have health in your life, thanks be to God. Whatever you have that's good, that has value, that brings sustainability to your life, thanks be to God. Amen? Let's give him that glory. Let's be quick to say, it's him. I bring him praise. I serve him. I don't own anything in this world. Nothing. It's all his. So what happens is, Daniel tells Arioch, he's ready to talk to the king. He talks to the king, and then Daniel gets his answer. Verse 27, Daniel replied, and now he's in front of the king, and you've got to see this answer because it says a lot. Verse 27, no wise man, why did, he, why did he start like this? Is he trying to make a point to the king? Yeah, he is. It's subtle, but he's trying to make a point. All those guys, all those people you employ, they, they, they don't have it. No wise man, no enchanter, no magician, no diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven, I love that, who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. And if you read this this chapter, you will see that Daniel takes off. He tells the king his dream. Can you imagine what that would be like, having someone vocalize the the dream that you had that's been tormenting you, and they're saying it exactly with with perfect detail, and, and the king knows there is no way that he could know this. This is divine. I'll tell you, that's a posture. That's a posture that when you get in a posture where you know the divine miraculous power of God is visiting you, you will pay attention. And that was King Nebuchadnezzar, and he knew. And Daniel did a great job exploring this dream. And the dream, without going into all the details, it was basically that you're the king with all the power, but one greater than you is going to come and knock it over, and, and you better be ready for that, which would happen. It was a prophetic dream. But now at least the king knew the answer. Only God can do this. Number, number six in your outline, last point. Daniel and his friends are rewarded. Man, I like this part of the story. <laughs> this is great. Because there's no guarantee that they would be, but the king was so excited. I want you to see the switch in the king. We, we don't see this in Nebuchadnezzar till right here. Now, in verse 46... 46, look what it says. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshiped him. That's all he knew to do. Because he's like, okay. He commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, truly, your God is the greatest of gods. The Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, For you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the entire province of Babylon, as well as chief over all of of his wise men. That had to be awkward. All of these other enchanters and stuff. And then at Daniel's request, he didn't leave his buddies behind. Look at this. The king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. Wow. God has a plan. 
God has a plan that will bless you and encourage you and strengthen you. We see this real move from the king. So I want you to just ask yourself a couple questions as we wrap this up today. Um, The first question in your outline there is, will I seek the Lord in crisis? Will I seek the Lord in crisis? Will I really trust him? Will I really stay in a position where my actions will be wisdom, discretion? Will I pull my friends around me to support me and share with them what I'm going through? Will I pray? Will I believe that prayer even matters? I hope you will. Now, the second question is this. Will I give God the credit when he moves in my behalf? Will I really give him the credit or will I, will I sort of take some of that because I need it because of my own insecurities? Daniel gave it all to God. I love the story of a guy who had a court date, very important, appearing before a judge, and he's running late. He has a flat tire. Everything goes wrong. It's on the button. He has not a minute to spare. He pulls a car around the courthouse. He prays his prayer. God, please, I'll never ask this again. Give me a parking space right in the front of the building. He pulls around the corner, and lo and behold, right by the front door, a car pulls out, takes off. He whips in there. He looks up, and he says, Never mind, God, I found one. (laughs) Oh, I wonder how many times God, God is just helping us in our behalf and we don't even think he's there. We don't even acknowledge him. Let's give praise to God. I, uh, yesterday, it's a little emotional for me. Yesterday, a couple hours before church started on Saturday night, I was kind of thinking through everything and my final thoughts. And I got word on my phone that Phyllis Kovac, who's known me since I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, she's 99 years old. Her daughter, Gwenny, known as Gwen Kovac, uh, used to babysit me and my sisters when we were kids. I got word that she passed away. I wasn't far from their mobile home and beautiful little place up on North College and I pulled in there and walked in and and Gwenny was there and we hugged, a few Timberliners were there, some medical people and, and Phyllis was just still laying there. Her soul was already gone but her body was there, frail, tiny little thing. I just walked over, sat down, took her hand and I had this thought. I'd just been looking this last point over. And I, I literally, this is a woman who has given praise to God. She, defe- she defeated hospice three times. She's, she's given every joyful moment of her life in praise to God. She's a warrior that's now gone home. She's been released from that little body that didn't work anymore. And I thought, Lord, Eternity is real. It is. Guys, what you believe, this isn't just a little gathering for religious sake. What you believe in your heart, the God of heaven, this God, he's real. You have an eternity out there. 
this is our hope. Lord, help us to believe and to know and to trust that you are this God, the God of deliverance, the God of peace, the God of hope, the God who helps us when we are powerless. If you are powerless today and you can think of that situation you're in, offer it to God right now, please. Lord, I'm gonna trust you with this situation in my life. I'm gonna trust you with it. Secondly, will you let others help you? Lord, please help us. Help us to find the people who are your soldiers put into our life to help us fight these battles and be our peace. You've promised never to leave us. You're with us always. We give you the praise for that. Strengthen us through this word today in Daniel chapter two, in your name.